Welcome to the Make Parts Fast podcast series. I'm Leslie Langnaw, editor of Make Parts Fast, and I am joined today by Magnus Renee, who is president and CEO of RCAM. So thank you for joining with me today. Thank you. Thank you to, uh, for giving me the opportunity to be here. Um, a couple of things that I would like to ask you uh, regarding the metal additive manufacturing industry is how do you see it developing in the market today? Is it growing nicely? Is there still a lot of work to do? What, what do you see happening in the metal additive manufacturing area? Well, uh, metal additive manufacturing has been around for a while and it's been uh, for the last couple of years uh, growing very consistently. Uh, we think that we, that will continue. We also believe that the uh, metal additive manufacturing market is still actually in its infancy and there is uh, a lot of growth left. We also think there is a lot of development left to do and we are just in the beginning of a long, very long and very nice growth path. Okay, so where do you see metal additive manufacturing going in the next five years? What kinds of new developments are you seeing or could foresee? Well, we believe that uh, the most promising for mar- markets for metal additive at the moment are the orthopedic markets and the uh, aerospace markets. And uh, we believe that's where we're going to be for the next five years or so. Uh, we, see, we think that we will see more applications, product applications coming online. We think we'll see more uh, different materials coming online and, of course, uh, new machines with new uh, possibilities. Uh, however, we think that for the next uh, couple of years, uh, the industry will stay in the orthopedic and uh, aerospace markets predominantly. We also believe that while we've been in the in production, in, uh, in, in the Arkham case, we've been in production on the orthopedic side for soon 10 years. Uh, we see that continue grow, but we also now see that aerospace is moving into production big time, and that's going to kind of uh, expand in, in the next couple of years. Okay, so I can see where aerospace and uh, the medical are the current hot markets for metal additive manufacturing. Are there some markets out there that people are not really considering that you think would be suitable for metal additive manufacturing? Uh, Well, of course, the prototype market, if that is a market of its own, may also be a good market. But when it comes to production, we believe that uh, aerospace and medical will really be dominant for the next couple of years. And then there are, of course, markets that are uh, just nearby additive, uh, sorry, aerospace and medical. And that is, for example, could be turbochargers for cars, could be uh, uh, stationary uh, gas turbines and, and things like that. But uh, the main production market, we believe, uh, is going to be uh, medical and aerospace. Okay. Now, one of the things that I'm hearing a lot about in a lot of the material that I see coming my way and a lot from other companies, there seems to be um, quite an emphasis on we need faster metal additive manufacturing. Speed is one of the potential obstacles to adoption from metal additive manufacturing. Why this emphasis on speed? Well, speed translates into productivity, and that is for sure 
important. Now, in our case, we have, uh, uh, from our customer, less of a focus on speed, which I think may be because we are already very speedy. And uh, I think that when it comes to the um, laser-based systems, since they are considerably slower, then speed becomes a big issue. Anyway, for us, speed is an issue, but not that big of an issue. If you look at overall productivity, it's made up by, of course, speed, but also other things. One is, for example, the, the powder material, where mm-hmm. we think it's uh, important over time to address uh, the cost of the powder material to bring down uh, the cost of making a part and to bring the productivity up. Do you see um, any conversation or any comments about people thinking that metal metal additive manufacturing would be a replacement for like CNC machining or stamping or injection molding? Well, uh, well injection molding, I think you mean uh, MIM, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and MIM is a niche process used for very high volumes. I'm not so sure. It, it, maybe it could uh, replace MIM in some areas. We we see the biggest opportunities in replacing castings and forgings. And, of course, mm-hmm. we can also replace uh, cnc in some, some ways. But um, the closest additive comes to... Uh, Conventionally, this actually to castings and forgings, where we are just like a casting or forging, we are a near-net shape process. So, okay. and, and we believe that we will be able to, uh, by growing the and improving the productivity, will be that we will be able to address a larger and larger portion of the uh, casting and forging markets. Okay, so what future features do you see are needed in metal additive manufacturing machines that would either expand the use of this current market or go into some, uh, expand the use of this equipment or go into new markets? Uh, well, uh, again, back to productivity. One, one part of productivity is uh, the cost of uh, uh, the cost of validation of parts and testing of parts that are built, uh, whether they are built in an additive system or if they are, for example, uh, cast or forged. And uh, the additive systems, uh, uh, they offer a unique ability to look at the part inside since we're actually building the part layer by layer. And uh, in our case, we have um, a function called layer cam where we can actually uh, look at the part inside and verify uh, conformity to uh, specs and uh, also solidity of the part and so on. And that will uh, take away the need for uh, further uh, non-destructive testing and so on, which will greatly improve productivity of the process overall. So I think that's an example of something, a feature that is now uh, being reused and that is going to be very important for the industry. That's interesting because that is an interesting feature to be able to look inside and see layer by layer exactly where the powders or the metals have adhered and, and to what degree. It really is, yeah. And it, mm-hmm. and it, offers, it offers an opportunity that no other process uh, offers actually. You, you cannot, if you cast the part, it is what it is you, and you have no clue what it is inside. 
if you uh, manufacture it additively, you can actually, for ease of mind, you will know what is inside the part. Mm-hmm. Now, what are some of the things that you see happening as far as educational efforts for additive manufacturing in general? Where does the industry need to go? What do you need from educational institutions or what the industry needs to do? You know, either way, whether there be institutions who need to offer more programs or even whether some of the vendors themselves need to offer some kind of uh, educational efforts of some variety for potential users. Yeah. We, we, we believe that there are already quite a few uh, universities and institutions uh, pushing additive, which is very good, and they are also educating a lot of students. Uh, even though we, we, uh, we are sure more is needed, and there is for sure a shortage in uh, competence and skills in general when it comes, or rather competent and skilled people when it comes to additive manufacturing. Uh, we think that the industry needs to continue to educate the, the market and the, uh, the public on that additive is actually a method for, for production and not only for prototype. There, there are too many, too much in the misunderstandings about additive, still about additive, that it's for prototype or it's for one-offs or it's for, it's for custom partial. So when it is in fact uh, really a, a method for uh, manufacturing, and an example of that is that our one of our prime products or prime products made in our systems is uh, acetabular caps for orthopedics. And most people still think that those are made in very, very small scale in customized and specialized parts. But the fact is that already today, 3% of all hip implant procedures worldwide include parts made in an EBM machine. And uh, when we say that, people are stunned because uh, it's, uh, it doesn't matter how often I say it, it doesn't get out there. So I say it uh, today again, 3% of all orthopedic implants or all hip, imp- hip procedures include parts that are produced in an EBM machine. So, and those are parts that are mass produced. They are not uh, customized for the patient or anything like that. They are pro- products. One of the things that I hear a lot of in reference to that is that uh, some engineers are, are like, we need different and better materials. How do you respond yes. to, to uh, that? If you look at the materials available today and you look at the markets for those materials, there is really, I mean, of course, it's nice to have more materials and long term, uh, there will be uh, very spectacular materials. We are, for example, running a, a a research program with uh, Oak Ridge National Labs in the U.S. where we are making uh, materials with uh, tailored infrastructure, uh, sorry, not infrastructure, tailored microstructure. And uh, that is fantastic. But on the other hand, we can replace a lot of the castings in titanium. And that's, a, that's a $10 billion market. So why wouldn't we play around on that one instead of uh, seeking uh, new materials that that may or may not happen. Very interesting, especially the castings part. So um, I thank you very much for your time, Magnus. I appreciate your answers. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye for now.